is Tuesday, January 15th, 2019, and you are tuned into the fastest half hour in podcasting. Welcome to HTM Sports. My name is Jargo. I will be your host for the day. Give it up for the wingman, RBV. Welcome back to HTM Sports. It's me, it's me. It's that honor of the feet of the Rick Vickery back again. Hashtag HTM Sports. Jargo, we got a hell of a run today. So much to cover uh, from the gridiron and beyond and... A little bit of heartbreak here at the end of the episode. Yeah, I know. We're, we're Duke homers, and everybody knows that we're Duke homers. So at the end of the show, we're going to talk about the, the gross injustice that happened at Cameron Indoor last night. But Huckleberry, let's go ahead. Let's kick things off with the NFL. Of course, the playoffs in full swing. We're going into championship weekend. Thought we'd take a little bit of a look at the divisional round. You know, our, our, our boy Colin Cowherd, he likes to do where Colin was right, where Colin was wrong. Well, where Jargo was right, where Jargo was wrong. I was totally wrong on Saturday, but I nailed the shit out of Sunday. Well, I was going to say, well, hey, it doesn't matter where you were right, because you're ultimate wrong, because you were riding that colt, you were riding that pony all the way to the Super Bowl, and the uh, the shoes came off, if, if you will. Yeah, uh, let's just say that the uh, luck ran out. Let's Let's put it that way. Shout out to our boy Smokey joining us in the chat room. Uh, Chiefs are out the Colts. 31 to 13. Huckleberry, I actually expected this score. I expected this game. I just expected the two teams to be wearing the other team's jerseys. Um, basically, the Chiefs did exactly to the Colts what I thought the Colts were going to do to the Chiefs. Come out and jump on them early. Not nearly enough firepower for Andrew Luck and the boys to come on back. Um, Kansas City was just the better team, and I don't know what was up with the injury luck because his footwork was just in the toilet on Saturday. Well, I was going to say, you know, you talk about game planning. In Kansas City, hey, what have they played up to now? This was their 17th game of the season. Yep. And, and look what the defense finally showed up. Yeah, it's about they time. Absolute, they absolutely brought it. They were crashing the party up front, having their way uh, with – you know, up to this, you know, what has been a very solid Colts offensive line. Uh, I mean, the penetration w- was unbelievable. They were all over luck before he had time to even think about what to do. They were bringing the pressure, and that's what paid off for them. They, they got they got to the Colts early. They shook them up, and they could never recover there. Uh, and then on the flip side, you know, on the flip side, the Kansas City offense. They, you know, it was cold, but it wasn't slick. They weren't they weren't going to be slowed down at all. And they went out there and just performed. You know. What we're used to, and Mahomes went out there and exactly showed why he is very, why he has earned uh, the league MVP. The things that he has done for the entire league, you know, just not his team there. He went out there and put on a great performance when you know under that spotlight. And they get the uh, they get the Andy Reid playoff monkey off their back. Yeah, do you think that this actually gets the monkey off of their back? I mean, they got that first win underneath of their belt. I mean, that's really the biggest one, isn't it? Well, yeah, I think it's all about getting, you know, that first step, right? Right. Yeah, you, you can't finish, you can't finish the race until you take that first step. Uh, and that's what this was here. And they did it in impressive fashion. And it's not like, you know, they went out there in, you know, in the middle of the season getting some chump team. This Colts team was one of the best in the league going in here. One of the hottest teams going into the playoffs. Uh, and Kansas City was able to take it to that next level, that playoff level and take care of business. You know, you say that this, uh, this, Colts team was was a good team and the question I guess I have for you is were they really 
I mean, we, we know that the Colts were overachieving. We know that they're at least a year away from their grand vision for this thing. This was really Andrew Luck just carrying this team all the way to the divisional round. I, this well, is kind of who we thought the Colts were going to okay. be all year, don't you think? I think, you know, when you're that quarterback and your things are going right, you're going to get all that credit. You know, on the flip, though, you know, when things are going wrong, you know, look at your Green Bay Packers. You know, Rodgers taking a lot of heat up there. Well, it helps you know, that I, we don't have an owner to blame, too. Well, I, what you've got there, though, is, yes, they were a good team. And as I also kind of correct myself there, they were a very hot team. They were playing they were playing good football on both sides of the ball. You know, last week in, in Houston, that defense – they look like one of the best in the league at that time. You know, and it's it's just it's this is the NFL week to week. You know, you got to come ready. You, you let down a little bit and a team's going to get you, especially when you're playing playoff caliber football. And Kansas City kind of just let everyone know why they are the, the number one seed. Yeah, we'll see about that next week. Let's talk about the Rams. The Rams absolutely run over the Cowboys, and I mean literally, ladies and gentlemen. C.J. Anderson goes for 123 yards. Todd Gurley goes for 115 yards. Rick, I mean, these guys just ran the ball right down Dallas's throat. Well, they, you know, they came out. They just won it ground and pound. We're going to take it right at you. We know we're talking about great defenses for you know through the league. Dallas was right up there all year. Yeah, and, so the Rams just said, "Hey, we're, we're going to come out swinging. We're going to we're going to punch you right in the mouth." Yeah, uh, and then we talked about that Rams defense, you know, being ranked nineteenth in the league against the run. Uh, we know the Dallas formula. I've been talking about it for weeks. The formula is real simple: Zeke goes for a hundred yards, and Amari Cooper goes for a hundred yards. Dak looks good, and the Cowboys win. Let's take a look at the formula this week. Ezekiel Elliott goes for forty-seven yards. Amari Cooper, six receptions for 65 yards. Yeah, and the Cowboys get beat. Go figure. Now, I, I think it is of note, Michael Gallup did go for 119 yards for the Cowboys. So, I mean, there is that. Dak goes 20 of 32, 266 yards, one touchdown. But here's the story of the game. And this is kind of the story of the whole weekend. Time of possession. Rams, 36 minutes, 13 seconds. Cowboys, 23 minutes and 47 seconds. You can't score if you don't have the ball. Well, I, I want to say my MVP for this game. We were just talking about a defense showing up in Kansas City. Well, hey, an even better one showed up for the Rams this week. Uh, this is the best that they have looked on defense. You know, they've been kind of on that that bend, don't break. But they actually started shattering walls themselves. Uh, Sue had a, a phenomenal game. Uh, and they, that you know, the, the, the actual standout, standout amongst that defense, Littleton this week, you know, always – you know, the, the undersized little engine that could. He was everywhere, play after play, uh, big moment after big moment. Yeah, he, he carried that defense. And, again, you know, they just stuck it to the Cowboys. The Cowboys now 0-8 on the road in playoff games, the longest streak in the NFL. And you know, hey, that's got a sting down there in the Big D. Uh, as far as the Rams go, uh, going forward, I think I run the same game plan against New Orleans next week. They can't score if they don't have the ball. You got a two-headed monster. You got two backs going for over a hundred yards. You can have the ball for thirty-six minutes. That's my game plan against Drew Brees. Well, you know, I think they're gonna—they're really gonna look at. I know we're gonna get to that game here in a moment, but they're really gonna look at you know how the Eagles handled themselves early in that game. I think you—you got to follow a lot of that same blueprint there. Incorporate what you did this week. You know, you want to come out fast and then control that clock on them. Now, of course, we typically 
We're wrestling guys. That's how this show started. Hitting the Marks Pro Wrestling Podcast. Hitting the Marks.podbean.com. I'm going to make a wrestling analogy here for these next two games, Rick. Over the course of the weekend, we got to see Jay Lethal versus Dalton Castle. And Dalton Castle starts off the match and he's hurt. And he knows that if he is going to beat Jay Lethal, he's got to do it fast because he doesn't have a whole lot in the tank. We saw that strategy go down in New England as the Patriots smack around the Chargers. 41 to 28. Now, typically, 41 28, yeah, that kind of sounds like a blowout, but Rick, this game wasn't even that close. This game was 35 to 7 at halftime. It was ridiculous. Well, I think, you know, we look at what the Chargers have been doing. They've been going into this game, they were 8 and 1 on the road this season. And when we really break that down, they were very close games. You know, they, they came over to key turnovers, uh, questionable officiating calls. You know, they any almost. Any of those games could have gone against the Chargers this season. Lady Luck was on their side. You know, they, they prevailed in each of those. So I think, you know, coming in, the Patriots were very quiet. They went back to that old school mentality of Patriots. Let's, let's keep everything to ourselves here. We're going to go out here and play Patriot football. Like you said, you know, they came out, they came out charging. You know, they, they no pun intended, they, they came out charging against the Chargers. And they knew it. if they give themselves enough space, we're not going to give the Chargers that opportunity to steal another one in a close football game. We're going to have this thing over with at halftime. We can kind of rest a little bit. We're going to start getting ready for you know either hosting next week or we, we're going to have to go on the road. So let's talk a little bit about the Patriots. As you can see, I'm donning my, my goat jersey and my Patriots cap today. Rick, here's the thing about the Patriots. I heard this yesterday, and I could not hardly believe it. If you are going to beat the Patriots, if you are the Kansas City Chiefs, and you're going to beat the Patriots, you have to do it. This weekend, the Patriots have 12 draft picks this year in the draft and six of them in the first three rounds. They're going to move off of Gronkowski this offseason. They're going to have a ton of cap space. They're about to get Brady some weapons. If you don't beat them now, you're not going to beat them. Yeah, so they're, they're getting ready to go into uh, to, and I don't even say like reshuffle or anything. It's just reload mode. Uh, and they're going to come out firing even harder next year. So if anyone's going to pick them off, you know, if, if it be in the AFC Championship or the Super Bowl, this is going to be it because you got to believe you know, the Patriots are setting themselves up for they're going to be they're going to be back there consistently for you know for the next half decade. You know, it's ridiculous. This is their eighth straight AFC Championship game. Wow, pretty incredible. And we all know that this has been a down year for the Patriots. Tom Brady in his press conference yesterday, he even says, "Yeah, I know we suck." Yeah, you know what? I'm kind of loving the, the cockiness there. You know, he's catching some flack on that thing. But we've talked about a couple times, like when these coaches were getting fired, how we'd love to just see a straight up heel turn. Uh, you know, like Marvin Lewis in Cincinnati. Like, you know what? Finally, I'm out of this dump. I'm sick of all. I'm sick of the, these ugly ass individuals from the five one three. I'm moving to Miami. You guys can suck it. Your team's gonna suck for it. We've been waiting for that heel turn. Well, we've, we've been kind of getting that that snarky heel from Brady here. Uh, I especially loved it after the game the other day. You know, he, he just kind of looks over and laughs like, oh, yeah, we're not supposed to be any good. And then he goes into the cheesy, yeah, I just want to say uh, hello to my wife and my parents and my neighbors, my neighbor's dog. And it's just, it was so campy. It was so, it was so brilliantly done. And you know, it just irks, it just irks people to know it. I mean, Tom Brady was born with a chip on his shoulder. He got an even bigger chip on his shoulder playing up at the big house in Michigan. Then he gets drafted to New England. I mean, I remember watching Brady at Michigan. I didn't think that he was an NFL quarterback in any way, shape, or form. 
So he's got a chip on his shoulder there. Bledsoe goes out. Everybody in New England loves Bledsoe. Brady comes in, chip on his shoulder. And now here we are, 18 years later, and the media is putting a bigger chip on Tom Brady's shoulder. This is a bad idea. This is as bad of an idea as writing off the Patriots in September. We're going to find out. Just don't do it. Let's talk about the Saints. The Saints come back to beat the Eagles. This was uh, actually the Dalton Castle versus Jay Lethal rematch. Eagles come out, pull the Dalton Castle card. We're going to start fast. And over the course of time, the Saints just plain come back and beat them. Uh, Rick, 153 yards, two touchdowns in the first quarter. Nick Foles goes eight of nine. And from that Marshawn Lattimore interception on, it was a completely different football game. Well, like you said, it, you know, the Saints, they, they had a solid game plan going in here. Uh, and you sent me that photo of the motivation that Coach Payton laid on the, the Saints there. I mean, how much was in there? It was a, uh, he, he pretty much brought the display. He had the Super Bowl trophy, the ring, and what, 250 grand in cash and two and, armed guards. In, in singles, if you can imagine how much money that is. It was all in singles uh, and basically told his team, hey, you win two more, you win three more football games at that point. You win three more football games, and this is yours. This is for each of you. They're going to have this. Uh, so that's the motivation you need there. The Saints themselves, hey, you know, the Eagles came out. They, they knew they had to be a very much different football team than the last time they had visited New Orleans, where they were absolutely embarrassed, blown out of the Superdome there. Uh, they came out. Uh, they wanted this thing. They, they were hungry. They, they wanted to get back to that Super Bowl to prove everybody, you know, the naysayers that, that they still had it. Uh, but unfortunately, you know, this, this year the Saints are just a better team. The Saints just, you know, put on some – some wear down holds on them, uh, and just ultimately just kind of broke their spirit, took control of that game. And say, you know, that interception, that was, that's what broke their kind of spirit. That was the game changer. The Saints come in, hold control of that game, and they are, uh, the Saints are marching on to the NFC championship game. Time of possession goes to the Saints, 3750 to the Eagles, 2210. You know, Rick, I, I thought that the Saints were this big, like, super high-powered offense that just moved the ball up and down the field like it was absolutely nothing. And then I watched this game, and I was like, hey, wait a minute. That's that's not who the Saints are at all. The Saints are a team that is going to beat you up front and just pummel you into submission and then run a play-action pass, and Breeze goes over the top for 70 freaking yards. Well, it just shows, you know, you got to show that that you, you've got a diverse offense, that you can play any style of game, and it's going to keep your opponents on the toe, on their toes. Now, you know, going forward next week, we got the the round two of the of the game of the year. Philly, a fake punt away from a date with the Rams. If you're Philly, how do you feel about this? I we we knew Philly came into the year beat up. I coming into that second half, they're they're without their best defensive player. You're, you're without your quarterback. I mean, now granted, Nick Foles was. Nick Foles, but what do you do if you're Philly? How do you feel going into this off season? You know, I think with, you know, with all the adversity that they faced throughout this year, I mean, obviously you're very disappointed. Last year at this time, you were marching into the NFC Championship game on your way to a Super Bowl championship. I mean, that is that is a major pullback. But when you kind of you know wipe the mirror clean and have to take a good hard look at it. You gotta, you gotta feel pretty good about moving forward, right? You gotta, you're gonna get some players back. You've got some, you've got some room to make moves to improve at spots. 
you're, you're kind of get yourself back on track for those players you lost in that Super Bowl year. Because, hey, that's no secret for any team. You win a Super Bowl, you're going to lose key elements of your team, you know, because they're going to get the paydays, things like that. So if you're Philly and you're looking at the rest of your division, I think, you know, right now they're the hands down to, to go in there and win that thing next year. Who's the quarterback for the Philadelphia Eagles week one of next season? I know this is going to be a, a great debate. I just, I still just don't see how, how you don't continue to roll with folds. I mean, I think you've got to make room and let him know that this is his team. I go the other way. I'm a, I'm a Carson Wentz guy. It'll be interesting. That, that's a very interesting story to follow this offseason. So well, whichever way they go, I feel that, you know, they have to, to just go with one at this point. Yeah, I don't think Philly's big enough for the two of them at this point. Let's take a look at Championship Week. Here's your preview. Sunday at 3.05 Eastern Time on Fox, it's going to be Rams at Saints. Saints beat the Rams 45-35 to in the regular season. This thing, what do you think here, man? Do you think we're going to have another shootout like this, 45-35? Or do you think this game's going to be a whole lot closer and it's going to end up being like 23-17? You know, in, in any either direction it goes, I wouldn't be surprised, you know, if we get a, a damn near repeat where these guys are going out there and lighting up the scoreboard. I, and I'm not going to be surprised if it's kind of a grounded out, you know, just a good old-fashioned slugfest. You know, who's going to take advantage of each other? But in either case, to me, they're equally as exciting. I think this thing is going to live up live up to the billing, and we're going to exceed what we saw excitement-wise, uh, you know, simply just because of how high the stakes are here. You know, this this is a, for a chance to go on to, to the Super Bowl. What a statement that would be, you know, for the Rams going back to L.A. Uh, and, of course, on the other side, you know, Drew Brees getting an opportunity to grab another ring, you know, sets him apart, you know, puts him truly amongst the elite uh, that have played at the position of quarterback. If Brees wins another Super Bowl, do you think he walks away John Elway style? No, nope, I really think he still has, you know, this team has more in its tank. He has more in its tank. Uh, this coach has more in its tank. I just don't think it's time for any of them to even, you know, contemplate going, you know, stepping away from the game. If anything, I, I think it just adds more fuel. Let's go get another one. Let's try to back-to-back this thing. 6.40 p.m., Patriots at Chiefs. We saw this game earlier this season, 43-40. to 40 In the regular season, this very early on when offenses were just going absolutely balls out hairy ass as we like to say in my uh, friend's circle uh i don't think we're gonna get that game uh it sounds like it's gonna be nine degrees in kansas city and it's gonna be gross uh was just look at before we went on the air at kickoff it is scheduled to be around 11 degrees uh windshield is gonna take us down to somewhere anywhere from one to negative three uh that's only gonna decline as this game goes on you know it's really we're gonna be playing under the lights there Okay, uh, now let Kansas me ask City. you, who does that favor? I Actually, you, you, you cut me off to it, man. You jumped ahead of me there. I was going to my point. Uh, when I saw this, and I'm ta- and looking at experience, playoffs like that, who's used to this? I think just the weather itself has just flipped the, the field advantage to the Patriots. Yep. Where did Patrick Mahomes play his college football? Down in Texas. Where did Tom Brady play his college football? In the big house in Michigan. And they're used to Foxborough. I'm telling you, man, I, everything about this game is telling me the Patriots are going to go in there and they're going to do Patriot things. Well, I, I don't know how much standing on the sideline in the big house prepares you for a game like this, but, but you are right. You know, he's got all, all of that history in cold weather championship games up in New England. And I, yeah, I definitely think, you know, when I saw this weather report, my, the first thing I thought was, 
man, this is a game changer. This this is advantage Patriots. And as you're talking about just not Mahomes, you know, how he's going to be able to adapt to something like this, you know, on top of the cold weather, the pressure of the Patriots, the AFC championship. Uh, I mean, last week, let's get that monkey off our back. You know, we got to get this big win. This is a whole new ball game. And this is another level trying to dethrone, you know, the Patriots as, you know, the top dogs in the AFC. But when you get out there, this is for all the players. You start, you know, you know, start slapping pads and all that. It stings. It hurts. Hell yes. It, 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 it takes it. It takes a lot out of you. Uh, you have to mentally fight through that. And it's going to be something that's going to be interesting to see, you know, to see how Kansas City reacts to that. Where again, you know, the Patriots have been there. And this is, this is where we're really going to see Andy Reid. He's going to have to be at his finest. You know, he's, he's no stranger to this. He's going to have to get his team up, get them ready. Uh, and this, and actually, you know, this is, it's funny to say this, you know, they're the number one team in the AFC. They looked so impressive last week. They're going to have to go to another level, and that's going to fall on the coach's shoulders. Do you feel like Kansas City should be dogs at home? I kind of do. I, I don't I don't know if I'd ever say to the dog, but I could see this thing dropping down to a damn near pick. Yeah. God, that's crazy. Let's go ahead. Let's talk a little bit about the NBA. We've been neglecting the NBA, and we're about halfway through the season at this point. I'm going with the Patriots, duh. Um, things are getting interesting inside of the NBA as as we approach the halfway point here. Uh, Rick, I thought that we'd run through basically what would be your playoff teams, plus one in the West, of course. Uh, and, and kind of take a look and see what the landscape even looks like. Because, you know, right here directly, we're going to be out of football to talk about. So we, we got to start talking about something else. So let's throw things over to the NBA. In the Eastern Conference, currently leading, you've got the Toronto Raptors. Best record in the league at 33-12. and 12. What do you think of Kawhi Leonard and everything that's going on mm-hmm. up there in Toronto? I think, you know, Toronto is an, is an interesting situation. You can look at the team itself. You know, they were sitting, they were sitting right around here last year. You know, yep. they, they were leading the way in the East. And I, and I think the one thing that they're looking towards is the playoff and, you know, and thanking the sweet Lord above that the one King LeBron James no longer resides in the land. Uh, he is out in La La Land now. Uh, so, you know, that was always, that was that obstacle they couldn't get over, you know. They have these phenomenal regular seasons. They go up with these high seeds. They run into LeBron in the playoffs, and it looks like they have no business being there. I mean, it's it's cost you know their head coach last year, a great head coach, cost him his job just because he simply could not beat LeBron in the playoffs. Makes it to the Eastern Conference Finals and gets fired. And I think you know with the Raptors here, they're they're cruising like they were. Now it's going to be interesting, you know, as as we get down to the playoff time, you know, to see. If that if that sets in on them, you know, if they show any concern, or they, they start maybe they're overconfident, maybe that hey, you know what, LeBron's not here. This is our time. Does someone else come get them? Are, are they easy pickings for other superstars? I can't buy them at this point. I understand that they have the best record in the league, but look at the teams that they're playing. They're playing in the Eastern Conference. They're beating teams that they should be beating. Well, I, and I think it's you no, know, it's a case of it, it is a case. It's a case of two leagues in the NBA, and I don't Very think you can really. So. You can't really fault the East for that. It's you know, it's it's the way we play the game. They don't have to be better than the West right now. The only time you have to be better than the West is, is in the, playoffs, is, in the yeah. is in the finals. Yeah. And at that point, when you're the East, and it's and it's been this way for heck, going on what near a decade. If you're in the East, you hope that you're rested up. Uh, you hope that you you've got enough. 
you've got enough ammo and that the West is beating themselves up where, you know, whoever is challenging you for that championship is, is down a little bit and you can pick one off. The rest of the East kind of shakes out like this. Milwaukee, Indiana, Philly, Boston, Miami, Brooklyn, and Charlotte bringing up the rear. The final playoff spot, if the playoffs started today, would go to the Charlotte Hornets at 20 and 23. Uh, again, you know, that's NBA East basketball. That's, that's nothing new. Every year we see that. It's usually, actually, surprisingly, uh, it's a little bit better because you're usually looking at six, seven, and eight floating around, you know, at a losing record. Uh, the, the other thing that I think is interesting about this, when, when you look at the top seeds, if the playoffs were to start today, you know who's losing their minds? TV executives. Look at these markets. Toronto, Milwaukee, Indianapolis. This is not what TV people want on TV at, you know, 7 p.m. Central Time, 8 p.m. Eastern Time for your opening game of the playoffs. Well, I think maybe at a stretch, you know, you've got some, like as I look here, okay, maybe Milwaukee, you know, you see them up there. Uh, obviously, Toronto at the top, you know, you're hoping that that whatever deals you got in Canada, you know, that entire country is kind of supporting their team if, if they're getting behind there. Basketball Indy. night in Canada. <laughs> there we go. Shout out to Joe. <laughs> hey, you know, but Indiana, they got a strong following. You know, they, they've got a rich history. People, people like the Pacers. It's kind of uh, they draw from this entire Midwest here. Obviously, you got Boston, Miami, and, and with the Nets. They're pulling a little bit wider audience because the Knicks have been down for so long. Uh, people have to, you know, kind of invest elsewhere if they want if they want some playoff basketball. It's, that's their options there. Just remember, if you pull for the Brooklyn Nets, you are colluding with the Russians. Let's talk about the Western Conference uh, because the West is really, like you said, it's a tale of two leagues, and the West is the by far better league. But there's a surprise leading this thing. As things stand right now, your number one seed in the West, the Denver Nuggets, kind of coming out of nowhere. I mean, people expected Denver to be good, but I think they were expecting Denver to be like third or fourth in the West good, not leading the way here. It, they're just a really good basketball team. Sharing the ball? I mean, it's like it's Golden State Warriors basketball. Well, I think you know what you're seeing here from the Nuggets is they're going back to – what they really remind me of right now is Spurs basketball. Yep. They're playing as a team. They're very unselfish, and it's proven. You know, so far they're kind of flying under that radar. They got the best, the best record in the West of everyone's seen so far. But I wonder how how stable are they? Uh, right now, they're there because the other teams seem a little unstable. But you got to believe, you know, like like the Warriors, the Thunder, the Rockets, they're going to get that ship right by the time you get to the playoffs. And that's a different style of basketball in itself. Do the Nuggets have enough to hang with those, you know, super teams, if you will, in, into the playoffs? If they can get the number one seed in the West, watch out. Because ain't nobody wanting to go into Denver at that altitude and run up and down a basketball floor for 60 minutes. I mean, there is that. Uh, but then, as you mentioned, when you look at the rest of the West here, Golden State, they're at only a half game back, so it's not like Denver's really running away with this thing. Golden State's Golden State. I mean, Kevin Durant's kind of turned into an asshole, but didn't we always know that Kevin Durant was kind of an asshole? I mean, we've kind of known that since Oklahoma City. Right. I mean, it's, it's a should really come as no surprise, you know, before, you know, before he showed his true colors here. Yeah, I mean, you're going to have 
when you have egos like that, eventually you're going to get a little too big for each other, uh, and you're going to run out of room, you know, at the table. And we're starting to see that there. But you got to believe, though, they are professionals. They they all want, you know, they all want that ring. They all want to be the champion. So and, and all that does really is when the thing does implode and they all have to go separate ways, it makes them all look good. It, it's, this really reminds me of going back to football. I mean, yeah, the Nuggets, they're looking great. They're on fire here. Uh, but, you know, just like the Patriots in, in the AFC, this is the Warriors division uh, until this thing is until they're until they played their last game. Yeah, I, I am going to make a bold prediction. And I'll make it right now. Kevin Durant is playing next season in Washington, D.C., which completely changes the entire landscape of the East. Uh, let's talk about OKC, the Thunder in third place. I hate Oklahoma City. I cannot stand Russell Westbrook. Rick, do you have any use for Oklahoma City at this point? Uh, I, I do. I think they're a little bit of a surprise here. I thought, you know, out of these dysfunctional teams, that these guys would have been the ones that would be uh, completely out of the picture. They have surprised me here. But again, you know, this is another case where they, they always hang in there. They're always one of those teams in the West that they can, they, they more so beat up on the bottom dwellers of the West, uh, but they can never really get over on, you know, the upper tier there. So again, not a big surprise. And, and once we get to the postseason, I wouldn't be surprised, you know, you see the Thunder again, all one and done. James Harden pulling an Andrew Luck. He's telling the Houston Rockets, get on my back. I'm going to carry us. Harden goes off for 57 last night, 17 straight games with 30-plus. His third 50-point game of the season. The Rockets are 13-4 and over this 17-game stretch. I, this is the beard just freaking going off, man. This is absolutely absurd what he's doing down there in Houston right now. I get it so impressive. I, what was the score? What was the final of that game last night? You happen to have it on here? I don't have it right in front I, of me. I saw but... some incredible stat. You know, where, where Harden goes for 57. The rest of the team or the bench goes for like 53. Yeah, uh, and the, that sounds about right. And, and, the, and the opponents only scored like 55. Yeah, and, and this is always kind of my dog on, yeah, on Russell athlete. Westbrook, too, you know? Where, well, where... and Harden's setting all these records here. I think he, he just went for, like, 20 out of 25 games scoring over 40 points, something ridiculous like that. But to me, I, I've, I've never been able to, to really get behind or buy into this game. I know in this modern era of NBA, yeah, he is phenomenal. He is one of the standout players. But to me, personally, I've always got to hold him responsible for what I do not like about the NBA, for what I despise about the NBA right now. You know, it, he's... He brings so many elements of soccer into this. The ultimate flopper. Absolutely loved the clip the other day where he just took took the round ball right off of his face. Uh, it was almost like darted right at him. Everyone else just kind of froze, like they thought there was going to be a, a penalty or something, or if he okay. I mean, the ball actually it, it, it shoots right back to the gentleman who threw it at him, and it starts to over the play back over. I just, you know, to me. I know he's one of the, the elite players in this style of basketball. I can't get behind him in any way. So he's one of those guys in the league, one of those guys in, in sports that I just I regularly root against. Yeah, for me, everything that you just said, I apply to Russell Westbrook. Uh, the rest of the West shakes out. Blazers, Clippers, who are just falling apart. Spurs actually putting something together down there in San Antonio. And then the Utah Jazz. But, of course, 
being a Lakers homer, let's let's talk about how awful the freaking Lakers are. Lakers outside looking in now. First one's out. Three and eight without LeBron James. They can't even beat the freaking Cleveland Cavaliers inside of the Staples Center. LeBron now down to 34.6 minutes a game. It's the lowest of his career because you guys rode him like a goddamn horse all the way to the finals last year. Huckleberry, what what do you make of what's going on in Los Angeles right now? And can we please get LeBron James some help so that maybe he'll actually dress and get off the bench? Well, it's, let me ask you this. I, I want to throw something back at you. I mean, you you are uh, Mr. La La Land out there. Was it the whole point of you know LeBron's going to go out there and elevate and, and help teach these kids how to you know to play to that next level? And even even from the bench, if he's such a such a great such a great inspirer, it is so important to the game. Shouldn't he be able to lend a hand to help motivate from even the sideline? I, I don't see any of that from LeBron. And we're talking about an injury. Well, he looked he looked fine the other day, dancing around in the lamb in, in the Rams locker room. Do you have? Uh, well, I guess obviously I know the answer to this question. Have you ever been around teenage girls? Uh, I'm not allowed anymore. Understandable. Uh, so I obviously have a 12 year old here at home and I have a 15 year old here at home and I feel like I'm LeBron James and they're Lonzo Ball and Kyle Kuzma. All right. It doesn't matter what I do. It doesn't matter what I say. Getting them to get up off of the fucking couch and take their dishes into the kitchen is impossible to the point where I'm just like, screw it. I'll do it myself. In order to motivate somebody, they have to want to be motivated. And Lonzo Ball is the biggest, oh, I don't care, man, attitude that I've ever seen in my freaking life. Well, I think, you know, then this is a point where LeBron, you know, he can maybe speak for management because it's, it's going gonna, it's gonna to resonate a little bit more thing coming from him. And just let people know, hey, you're on a short leash now. You know, I'm sitting over here. I'm tr- I need you. If I'm going to help when I get back, I need something to help with. You guys can't let this entire thing unravel and bully. Hey, and LeBron could throw it out there. Hey, I've ran off Kyrie Irving. I sure as hell can run off a ball or whoever the hell you are there. Uh, I ran off one of the premier players in the league. You guys are, it ain't going to take me anything to convince management to cut your asses. I mean, at this point, Hart's the only one that I would keep. I mean, if I can get myself an offer for Lonzo and Kuzma and Ingram and bring somebody like a Kawhi Leonard in. I'm freaking doing it. Hey, I got it. I got it. LeBron comes back. Let's just start two people. We're, we're pulling, we're pulling him down from the office. LeBron and Magic versus the other teams. I'd be down with that. You know, there's a lot of people compare LeBron James to Michael Jordan. And I mean, obviously Jordan's the goat, right? But to me, he's way more Magic Johnson than he's ever been Michael Jordan. Uh, I think, you know, it's really. You know, you and I, we've had conversations about this before. You know, we, we hold Magic Johnson in high regard. We put him up there amongst of the greatest. We've made arguments that he is the best uh, that ever played. You know, when you, when you break it down just to his skill and what he meant to a team in that, you almost get to, you know, with LeBron, the comparison to, to Magic is so much, it's, it's such a stronger argument to me. It's almost like if you took Magic to that next level, you know, when you have LeBron at his very best. Yep. You can compare Kobe to Michael, but when it comes to LeBron, compare him to magic let's talk about duke god damn duke um we've been real close to this the last couple of games huckleberry we we survived down there at florida state without zion 
And uh, it, it's getting rough, man. Things are getting rough. Duke goes down to Syracuse last night, 95-91. God, I hate losing to Bayheim. I, ch- I cannot stand Jim Bayheim. But the bigger story here, rather than just losing that game, Trey Johnson goes down with 14 minutes and 23 seconds left in the first half. The good news is the shoulder is not broken. The bad news is it's an AC joint separation, and he is out indefinitely. Rick, this is kind of like cutting the head off of the snake. Yeah, Zion is really good, but you got to have somebody who can get him the ball. Well, I think you know. I think we still got enough. We got enough, uh, you know, in the cupboard where we've got enough talent around there. We got Barrett Knight as well. So I, and I think he's gonna make. He's gonna try to make a comeback for the postseason uh, again. You see a loss like this, yes, it's things you don't want to see your team go down, especially when you know when you're number one in the land. All eyes are on you. You're kind of and, and you know other people that follow the sport, they're involved with it. They look to you because your team's up here, and it's perceived that everyone else is kind of down here. To me, though, goes back to number one, nothing matters until March. So we are sitting here in the middle of January, essentially the middle of the season. So this is the wears and tears. You you get a little tired, you know. You're not really playing for all that much right now, and it's going to happen to the best of the best. It happens to everyone, and we've seen Duke just kind of go into a slump here. Uh, Coach K is such an amazing coach, arguably one of the greatest coaches in all, not professional sports, in all of sports, excuse me, in all of sports. He's going to get this thing right. He's going to regroup these guys. They're going to get refocused all around. They're going to come back together. I am not worried one bit that come, you know, early April, that Monday in early April, we're going to be ones cutting down the nets. Well, you know, this, this kind of goes back to what we were talking about earlier. Um, When it comes to Duke basketball, it's championship or bust, right? Like, as far as I'm concerned, this team is still good enough. Yeah, this is probably an Elite Eight team without Trey. But if we're going to win a national championship, I think we're going to need him. Well, I think, you know, it's when you get down to the nitty-gritty into the into the postseason there, into the tournament, you, you want every weapon there. I think with him, it separates us, you know, drastically from everybody else. Uh, without him... Maybe they'll be able to hang. I still think we got enough firepower to take anybody down. I, this is a, a remarkable team. You know, one of the best that we've seen in 10 years put together. Zion does his part. He goes for 35 and 10 last night. I guess really the thing that really concerns me here, Rick, we scored 91 points in overtime, mind you, but we scored 91 points and lost. There is no reason that you should score 91 points in a college basketball game and lose. What? Did you get to see a lot of it? I didn't get to see the game at all. Okay, I, I, well, I know because you, you were sleeping there, uh, getting ready for the night shift. So I figured you wouldn't watch some of the, the highlights there. I, I had it on the entire time. They were playing softy. They were off the ball the entire time. They were giving up big shots. Uh, there wasn't a whole lot of hustle, and that goes back to I say, you know, it's just it's just midseason slump, and that again, you know, that falls on Coach K. You usually don't see that, but it happens to the to the best of the best. Coach K is going to recognize that, and he's going he's going to fix the ship. Mr. Pringle's defense, otherwise known as the Ole defense. Shout out to Mr. Pringle's down there in Houston. Uh, the other thing I wanted to talk about, let's give Syracuse a little bit of love here, man. Tyus Battle goes off for 32 points last night, and I guarantee you if we played that game again today, they wouldn't do what they did last night. Syracuse goes 44% from three-point range. They only average 29% for the season. There's the difference in the freaking game right there. 
hey, shooters are going to shoot, and when they're falling, uh, they're hard to beat. Like I said, Duke was playing off. They weren't up in their face. It wasn't as aggressive defense as, you know, as we're used to. Especially, I, I think what really stings the most is that this happened in Cameron. Yes. You know, and, and going back to over the weekend, you know, Saturday, that they just escaped. It, I mean, they could have been looking at two losses here. Well, Florida State is this pain in our ass every season. I don't know what it is. We always play down the Florida State. It's just kind of like that gnat, you know, that's just kind of you're, you're trying to get rid of it all the time. They know how to play. They know how to play Duke. The other big concern for me anyway right now, while Syracuse goes 44% when they average 29, Duke only shoots 21% from three. They average 33% on the season. I mean, Duke couldn't buy a bucket. Well, I'll tell you this. Uh, I don't know if – I'm sure they had they had it this morning. I would not would have been in that practice session. Huckleberry, check it out. We made it all the way to the end of the show. We actually ran long. The Twitch stream held up. I think that the new repeater might not be as big of a piece of crap as the old one. There we go. Twitch Twitch is working with us, finally. Hot dog, hot dog, hot diggity dog. So that's going to wrap things up for this week's show. You're welcome for that. Uh, Thanks for listening and or watching here at twitch.tv backslash hitting the marks. We will be back, I'm guessing, sometime Friday afternoon, evening with an all-new episode of Hitting the Marks Pro Wrestling Podcast at hittingthemarks.podbean.com. Until then, you can find the show on Twitter at HTMPWPod, on Facebook at Hitting the Marks, getting a whole lot of new followers and interactions over there at Facebook. Nice to see. Um, you can find me across all social media platforms at NotJargo. RBV, let's see, which one of these teams, let's see, if the Kansas City Chiefs need a wide receiver on Sunday, how do they find you? Oh, there we go. Hey, I would love to be on the, the receiving end of one, Mr. Mahomes there, but uh, as always, you can check me out across all social media at the real RBV and for, uh, and I'm pretty sure that the majority of our fans out there know, uh, know us and love us and interact with us through professional wrestling. So if you're not already, make sure you're heading over to Facebook, Nahami Media Discussion Group. We are gearing up towards the day Royal Rumble weekend. Going to be a lot of awesome activities uh, going on over there. That's it for this week's show. We'll talk to you next Tuesday, right back here at twitch.tv, backslash hitting the marks with an all-new episode of HTM Sports. For now, we're off like a prom dress. See ya!